0: a moment that is supposed to spark joy and celebration and smiles and laughter, but it didn't for my sweet nephew, Joel. Now, when Dan and I got married, I loved that I became an instant aunt. And uh, little Joel was the one and only son at the time of his oldest brother, and he was this sweet Thomas the Train loving toddler, and I loved to spoil him. And when Joel was a young child, singing the happy birthday song to him made him cry. (laughs) I know, doesn't that just melt your heart? And we've never really been able to solve the mystery. What was it about that song that made him cry? Was it the words of the song or the tune or perhaps the out-of-tune people who were singing it to him? I don't know, was it the presence of fire on the birthday candles that overwhelmed him? Or Or maybe it was just the fact that everyone was staring at him at the same time and smiling and singing a song he found creepy. I don't know what it was that made Joel cry at a moment like that. But as you can imagine, now that he is uh, grown, we still love to tease him about that. Uh, Thankfully, it doesn't make him cry anymore. But you know, that's what happens with kids, right? We've all been there or have witnessed it happening. They melt down at the most inopportune moments, right? I have some pictures here, and it's possible that a couple of these might be my daughter. You can take a look here, right? So these are moments that are supposed to be happy when you get to see Santa or when it's your birthday or when you're at the happiest place on earth, right? But a meltdown happens even there too. Or even when you are a flower girl in a wedding, right? There are moments of meltdown that happen. And as parents, sometimes it's funny or perplexing or frustrating or embarrassing when that happens with our kids. And we wonder, as we look at our kids, we think, how can you not understand? This is not a moment for a meltdown. This is a happy moment. You know, it's as if they missed the cue. Do you think that Jesus ever feels that way about us? Today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15. It's a famous passage of scripture where there are three back-to-back parables of Jesus. Uh, These are three stories of lost things. We have a a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then a lost son. Now, the third of these parables in Luke chapter 15 is the most well-known, the lost son, which is also called the prodigal son. Perhaps you know that story well. And in each case, these are stories of celebration. They're stories of rejoicing in what has been found. Now, before we dive in to take a look uh, in more detail today, let's first look at why Jesus told these stories. Uh, So if you open your Bibles, the words will be on the screen as well to Luke chapter 15. And let's look at the setting, how it all begins. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. And then from here, we have the three back-to-back parables. Now, before we go on, let's pay very close attention to this context because this sets the tone for how we listen to these stories of Jesus. Jesus is hanging out with a crowd of people that uh, some of the religious leaders think that he should not be spending time with. And so they are upset. And so we notice what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law do. It says they mutter. Now, isn't it interesting that Luke, uh, in this gospel, told us not only what they said, but he described how they said it, that they muttered. You know what muttering sounds like, don't you? Right? It's that pleasant sounding kind of speech where you sort of murmur so that you might not be able to easily understand what someone is saying, but it's definitely clear with the tone what kind of attitude you're trying to get across, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm right? Turn to the person next to you and just mutter real quick. Just just do that. Uh, uh. Yeah, we know how to do that, don't we? Don't we? It's really a lovely thing. You know, if you are going to mutter really well, then you need to build up a strong, distasteful attitude in your heart. That really helps if you're going to mutter well. The most effective muttering comes from a deeply rotten attitude. And I'm sure that these religious folks were especially good at muttering. Otherwise, I don't think Luke would have pointed this out to us. And they're muttering because they think Jesus is crossing lines that should not be crossed. And this is not the only time in the Gospels where we find this situation. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, uh, there, we have a record of the gossip that's been circulating about Jesus. In Luke 7, 34, it says, Jesus, um, the gossip is, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is the setting of our parable today. You see, these religious leaders thought that Jesus was doing something worth muttering about, but Jesus thought he was doing something worth rejoicing about. Notice that contrast. Jesus hears, This muttering, and he responds by telling these three stories in a row. And each of these stories is very similar. And I want to challenge you, take some time this week and read those stories. Dive into the journal that we are working through together these days. Um, Spend time soaking in these three stories this week. It seems That Jesus has a point that he really wants to get across to those who are listening. That includes us. For him to tell a story three times in three different ways. Maybe that's because Jesus needed to reach awfully deep into the hearts of those who were listening to penetrate those rotten attitudes. So let's take a look today, and we're going to look at the second of these three stories that Jesus tells, beginning at verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, "'Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin!' In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here we have this story of a woman, this simple story, a woman who loses uh, a coin, one of her ten. Uh, you probably have a footnote in your Bible that calls it a drachma. Uh, this coin, one coin, is worth about a day's wage so we know that that one coin is not an extreme fortune but it's valuable nonetheless it's worth a day's wage and so for this woman who has lost a coin the search is on and in this parable it says that she lights a lamp which would be much needed in the dark home of a peasant woman Their houses were usually dark, often with with perhaps only one window, maybe a circular window about 18 inches wide at the most. The floor in a home like that would be a a dirt, beaten earth floor uh, covered with dried reeds and rushes. So you can imagine looking for a coin on a floor like that in a dark room would be very much like trying to find a needle in a haystack, right? It says that she sweeps the floor. Maybe that will help her. She thinks perhaps she'll be able to see that coin glint or maybe uh, hear it clink as it moves. You know, I wonder, when was the last time that you misplaced something and went searching for it? (laughs) Not long ago, maybe. Your car keys, anyone lose their car keys? Or have you ever lost your car in a parking lot? I do that one all the time, I'll tell you that. Or, or a piece of paper or something that you know you put somewhere for safekeeping. So good of a place that then you have no earthly idea where it is uh, later. Uh you know, I've been uh, sorting through our kids' toys lately and and doing this purge. And uh, a few months ago when I was picking up some of their toys, I discovered this this toy set that we use uh, frequently and hope I hope will still have a lot of life left in it, and there was a part missing to it, a really key part. And I looked everywhere I could think of. And I made everyone in our family look everywhere that we could possibly think of. But I was determined it's going to turn up eventually. This was several months ago. And so I put the other piece in the uh in the cabinet and thinking it'll turn up eventually. And this weekend it turned up. I was so excited. I was jumping up and down and running around the house. We found it. It was behind a piece of furniture against the wall. You know, the one place that we didn't look. You ever have moments like that? Uh, As they say, nothing is really lost until your mother can't find it. (laughs) This parable reminds me of a family friend of ours who once lost the diamond out of her wedding ring. Oh, and she thought that she may have lost it in her house. So of course they all searched high and low. They couldn't find it. And her husband decided he was going to give it one more search high and low with the vacuum cleaner. And so he went through the whole house. Their house had never been cleaner. And when he was finished, he took an old sheet and put it on the ground and uh, slit open that vacuum cleaner bag, dumped out the contents, and the diamond was there. Uh-huh. And we all know that story because we were rejoicing with them. It was a moment worth celebrating. We all have those kinds of stories of when we find something of great value uh, that has been lost. And we think about the woman in this parable, and something of value to her that was missing, that was lost. And she finds it and calls her friends together to tell them the story. I bet she told them, you'll never believe where I found this, right? You know, if you think about it, it, it it's interesting. And this story says that the woman had nine coins already, and just this one was missing. Do you ever think, could she have just let it go? Or could she have just said to herself, well, it'll turn up eventually. But that's not what the story says. The story said the search is on, and she went after it with all that she had. Because, you see, there's a truth that we find in these three parables, and it's this. The presence of the many does not diminish the value of the one. The parable just before this talks about 99 sheep and just one that is missing even if you have 99, or even if you have nine, but one is missing. The value of the one is not diminished. Jesus is communicating to us that every one matters. Luke chapter 15, with these parables, of lost things, a sheep, a coin, a son, the focus is not on the things that are lost. If you look at these parables, The focus is the joy of finding. That's what Jesus is driving towards in every one of the parables. In fact, uh, you know, if you look in your Bible, you'll often see uh, in many translations that there are headings over different sections of Scripture. Those were added later by translators. And, uh, you know, uh, a pastor that I've sat under for a while, I remember him talking about this section of Scripture, and he said, you know, we really should change these headings here. Not making the focus the lost things, but we should call the lost sheep the reclaimed sheep. And the lost coin, the rediscovered coin. And the lost son, the restored son. You see, the focus of these parables is the joy of the finding. And each of these parables has the same kind of refrain. Rejoice with me, it says, when the lost sheep is found. Rejoice with me. The parable says when the lost coin is found and let's celebrate when the lost son returns. We all know what it's like to celebrate when something is found. And Jesus is trying to describe to us the fact that the kind of rejoicing that we know on earth when we find something is only a shadow of the kind of rejoicing that happens in heaven over one sinner who repents. This is what Jesus wants us to know. And this is where we find that stark contrast when we look at the setting the muttering of the religious folks the wrong attitude (laughs) don't mutter rejoice this is a moment for rejoicing would you mutter when you found your lost coin or your lost item these religious leaders are missing the point it's like they're muttering or throwing a tantrum when they're at the happiest place on earth (laughs) who does that It's a moment for rejoicing. And Jesus is inviting us to, as we listen in today on this story that Jesus tells, he's inviting us to catch the vision. He's trying to give us a small glimpse of the heavenly value system that is so often forgotten by religious people. You see, our Heavenly Father, we, we know, we know, we know, we know, as, as we just uh, soaked in this beautiful song, Belovedness, we know our God sees us, and he loves us, and he knows us, and we are assured of that to our core. And this story makes clear that the gaze of God is intently focused on those who do not yet know him. The gaze of God is intently focused on those who do not yet know him. Just as it was for the woman in this parable, so it is for God. The presence of the many does not diminish the value of the one. And our God is intently focused on finding. And these parables serve for us as an invitation to to join in and to experience the joy of finding that, and, and not just the joy of finding, but but that we too can have an obsession with the finding that the coin can 't remain lost, it must be found in the same way that that people. Who God created and loves with an everlasting love cannot remain lost. They must be found. I wonder if sometimes God's heart breaks over the way that we seem to care so little about those who do not yet know Him. And these parables are an invitation for us to join in the rejoicing and to join the mission. Of Jesus. You know, as we read the Gospels, we know clearly this was not the only time that people muttered about Jesus. In fact, if you flip a few pages ahead to Luke chapter 19, we have the story of Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus? And Jesus uh, invited himself over to Zacchaeus's house for dinner. And that ruffled some feathers because Zacchaeus was a despised tax collector. And there Jesus goes again, hanging out with people that uh, others think he had no business spending time with. And in Luke nineteen seven, it says, And the people saw this and began to mutter. There's that word again. And you know what Jesus says right there at that moment in response to this? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says, If there's any question about who I am and why I'm here, let me make it perfectly clear who I'm here to seek and save. Because Zacchaeus needed. Jesus. And so Jesus's eyes are intently focused on Zacchaeus, who does not yet know him. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is in the rescuing business. And my friends, don't miss this. This mission of Jesus continues. This is still what our God is doing. He's in the seeking and rescuing business. And he invites us right here today, Alma Church of God, We are called the body of Christ, and we are commissioned to join this mission of Jesus, to be his hands and feet. And so we, too, are commissioned and invited to join God in what God is doing as he is seeking and rescuing. We're invited to join him. And as we read these stories today, let us be reminded that When we cultivate an obsession with finding, it can get messy. People can disagree with the hows and the who's and the what's. Perhaps Jesus is partly telling these parables to remind us that an obsession with the finding can be quite messy. It was messy for Jesus. You know, when we look at the parable of the sheep and the parable of the coin, uh, the story begins in some translations, it says, if it was lost, who wouldn't? Or doesn't he, or doesn't she? As if, of course, if, if something's lost, of course. It, it makes us ask the question or think to ourselves, and what about us? Is it, well, of course we would, of, of course we will. The shepherd will leave the 99 and and go into the danger of seeking the one who is lost. You know, in these stories, it says that when the sheep is found and when the coin is found and when the sun returns, there is a party. There is a celebration. And you know, if you think about that, even that in and of itself is kind of a messy thing. Because the obsession with the finding leads to rejoicing. And the rejoicing usually costs you something. Because if you're going to have a party, you ought to have some food, right? (laughs) And food isn't free. And I wonder if when the lost lamb was found, I wonder if then one of those sheep was slaughtered for a celebration. Or I wonder if when that coin was found, maybe she spent it she was having a party to rejoice and when the son came home even though there had already been a great deficit a deficit i can't say the word uh, a great expense to the father he spent more money to have a great party right you see it gets kind of messy when you find something and and when you rejoice it gets kind of messy Jesus shows us it's not always easy to be obsessed with the finding, and it will cost you something. Maybe the answer to Jesus' question, well, who wouldn't go after this lost thing? Maybe that answer for us sometimes is, well, I wouldn't, and I don't, (laughs) and I put my attention elsewhere. But Jesus is inviting us just as he was inviting those religious leaders of the day to eagerly say, I will, regardless of the cost. So here's what I want to invite you to think about today. I want you to think about sort of looking around at your life, your relationships, and your places of influence. Think about uh, your coworkers. Think about your neighbors or people at school with you. Think about uh, people that you interact with on a daily basis. And if it's true that the gaze of God is intently focused on those who do not yet know him, who has God's attention? Who in your life, in your places of influence, who has God's attention? Who is it that God is seeking? Who is it that God longs to rescue? Think about that today. Maybe it's even someone who drives you crazy. Maybe it's even someone you like to mutter about. (laughs) But what if God is inviting you? to join him in the work that he's doing in that person's life right now, the seeking and the rescuing. What if God is inviting you to join that mission, to find that beloved son or daughter? What if today is an invitation for us from our great God to join him in the finding and in the rejoicing? You know, if you think about it, If you are a follower of Jesus, you know, there was a time then in your life, before you knew God, that his gaze was intently set on you. And think for a moment about the way that that has transformed your life. Think about this great love of God that has changed everything for you And what a joy it is that we're invited to share that good news with others, to join what he is doing and help others encounter Jesus. You know, it may be that, that we are used to getting excited over finding our lost car keys or a missing part to a toy or a bargain, but could it be That our God is waiting for us to experience a kind of rejoicing that we have never known before. The kind of rejoicing that could only happen when someone encounters Jesus for the very first time. This kind of rejoicing will fill our souls like nothing else. Because this kind of rejoicing is a glimpse of heaven as the angels rejoice. My friends, you are invited to be obsessed with the finding. You are invited to courageously answer, I will, and join God's mission of seeking. You are invited to experience the messiness that comes when you are obsessed with the finding. And you are invited to experience rejoicing like you have never known before. Will you pray with me? our gracious God, we bow today with grateful hearts. So grateful for your living word that continues to speak to us today. And God, I pray for all of us that that you would disturb our comfortable hearts. God, would you help us to see others the way that you see them so that we can become obsessed with the finding in the way that you are? God, would you help us to be people who choose rejoicing, over muttering when it gets messy God would you help us as we look around at the people and the relationships in our lives to see what you are doing to see the rescue mission that that is already underway all around us and God would you give us the courage to join you in what you're doing so God I pray for us and the influence that you have placed in our hands God that we might be people who are used by you for your mission in the world. Thank you, God, for inviting us to join you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the way that you love us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.